oh my god, this is such an unhealthy image, you should not be promoting this, people should not be burning out like that, I'd never encourage that to people, blah, 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 blah. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, people don't realise that, like, business is not linear, and that sort of shit happens, and if you're not okay with that, you should go and do something else. Like, it doesn't really work like that. You're not going to be going to bed every night at 9pm and getting up every morning at 6 every day of the week. And if you are, that's fantastic, and, and I'm not saying that's not a good thing. All I'm saying is that business is not linear at all. It's totally unlinear. It's up, it's down. Some days you'll burn out, some days you'll hate your life, other days you'll love it. But you do it because you have that diversity, and if people aren't okay with that, then I don't think business is right for them. That was Jack Miller. This is Duggett, the podcast. That is me singing. <laughs> uh, that is me singing very badly over the wonderful Arthur Arbez, who I actually just interviewed the other day. His album Gold. It's uh, a doozy, coming in hot. As my tea, which is too hot for me, my mint tea. So it's just leaving it to the side to steep at the moment. And I've got a. So Arthur Arbe's in the background, that's a podcast coming out soon, but today it is Jake, the man Miller, in the left corner, coming in with the truth bombs in that little intro there. Jake is, uh, well, a young guy, that's the first thing that kind of got me. He's um, 21 and he's founded already two pretty awesome companies, uh, Umfa, sold to the government, to inspire kids for different career options and uh, now unfiltered which he recently had and that's unfiltered one word not I just kind of dragged that out there didn't I but unfiltered which he had recently had Richard Branson on and he's had well so many business gurus on there it's kind of I'm not gonna list them more but check it out check both the sites out very cool stuff and uh, kind of felt that kindred spirit with, um, in terms of Jake's ambition to kind of ditch the system and the social norms and particularly the, the, the insights around what they advise you on careers at schools and colleges and just, it's, um, it's a bit of a have. There's more than one way to make it to the top of the curry tree, as they say. And uh, he's certainly done that. And the piece I really got out of this was just his kind of passion, enthusiasm to keep knocking down the doors, not taking no for an answer, like quite literally, he'd, he'd just make it happen. Um, where there's a Jake, there's a way, it seems. Uh, so it was a real treat, I kind of managed to uh, nab him before he went back to New York on his kind of wall-to-wall schedule of skydives, meetings, interviews, and uh, eating out at all the restaurants in town. He's a jet setter for sure, and he also likes these uh, jet ski boards, uh, flyboards, which, um, well, he'll talk about in the podcast, but he's uh, certainly a driven man, and um, it was very, yeah, it was a great chat, and 
what he's doing in such a short amount of time. I think it really, a bit like the David Goggins podcast with Rich Roll, really kind of like just uh, opens you up to a new level of um, possibilities and you're kind of the people you hang around the most and kind of uh, hang around Jake for an hour. It kind of rubbed off on me to really push the possibilities, the limits. What's uh, got me really excited for the, for the new year and just going into the unknown. So I really appreciate you for that that time Jake and and uh, for letting me share your words of wisdom he's certainly wise beyond his years and inspired beyond his years even talked about wanting to do that Red Bull jump from space so the guy's taken off to the skies and uh, cover off also his dad died when he was quite young so I found that interesting his outlook to take the best out of that and, and, and kind of carry on and many other tips and tricks in there and also some great initiatives he's working on, so certainly a man to follow, and you better follow him in all the show note links, which I'll include, but without jibbering, jabbering too much more, I'll, uh, I'll let you listen in like I'm about to take to my tea sip by sip, soak it up, enjoy. Hope you dug it as always. Here is Jake, the man Miller. The man, but he's not. That's not his middle name. I just threw that in there for effect. If you're digging Arthur Albers in the background, check him out and sing along. It's good for the soul. Here we go now. Jake, the millman Miller. Hope it's his mint as my cup of tea, which is a three mint special. Enjoy. Yeah, I remember getting the mics and thinking, well, at least it kind of looks like you know what you're doing. Like, fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, oh, thanks for... Uh, I kind of had this first question which just came to mind. It was like, why Why would you say yes to this? Or why um, Why would you let yourself be interviewed? Or what, what motivates you at the moment? Yeah, uh, no, that's a very good question. I think probably the... Um, the main reason I, I said yes to this and I do say yes to, to certain interviews that come along is because I find that when I'm talking about my, like myself and my business and what I'm doing, it, it allows me to get excited about what I'm doing. I get quite excited when I tell our story and what we're doing. So I always don't like turning down opportunities or I get the, the opportunity to speak at something and tell our story or talk on an interview and explain, you know, unfiltered and what we're doing and who we are and all of that sort of stuff because it reminds me of why I'm doing it myself. So that's sort of one of the reasons. But at the same time as well, obviously I love to be able to, to share some of the knowledge and hopefully help some other sort of entrepreneurs or people starting out out and, and really help them with some of the lessons we've learned as well. So that's a big motivator as well. Oh uh, yeah, I think that's sure. Like obviously what you're doing is sharing great stories. So I really appreciate it. The time to start with. And, no worries, um, my pleasure. Uh, I had it, yeah. I saw you into golf as well. And uh, have you got a golf handicap or? Uh, you know what? I'm extremely poor at golf, and yeah. I'm embarrassed at the amount of money <laughs> that I've spent on it compared to how good I am. So I don't have a handicap. I struggle to hit the ball half the time. Um, and basically, I was one of those people that sucked at golf, and I started doing lessons, and um, I got okay but then I stopped doing lessons and it's one of those sports where you kind of have to continue it's not really like riding a bike right you yeah. sort of let go so I went out to the course the other day and I was just like man this needs some serious work oh <laughs> uh, no it's uh it's, it used to be kind of my favorite sport and 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 but part of the appeal for me was like the connections you make on the course and like the people you meet and um but so you do skydiving you're into all kinds of uh things and it, like 
what kind of like gets you excited outside of work? Yeah, great question. Outside of work, I love stuff that, you know, I, I'd say I'm probably a little bit of like an adrenaline junkie. Like mm. I love stuff that scares me. So there's not many things that scare me. So if I can do something, my go-to place is Queenstown and I go down there probably five or six times a year when I'm back in New Zealand and just do crazy shit pretty much. And I'll just spend three days like jumping off the highest thing I can find and going down the most dangerous river and doing all of the craziest things. So I love uh, skydiving. It's been a sport of mine. I did my first skydive when I was five years old. Uh, I'm actually going skydiving this afternoon if the weather clears up with some friends who are here from the US so skydiving is something that I live and breathe and I really love it love bungee jumping um, but outside of work you know what do I do the most I also love just chilling out as well I love I, I get energized by spending time by myself so I'd say probably 80% of the time I spend is probably alone so I'll do things by myself that most people wouldn't do by themselves like I'll go to the movies by myself all the time I'll eat dinner by myself at restaurants I, I spend a lot of time alone thinking um, so I enjoy doing that I enjoy reading um, I enjoy sort of going for a run occasionally when I can motivate myself so pretty normal stuff other than the skydiving and you know flyboarding and bungee jumping and that sort of stuff oh that's interesting is there one because I saw like you know Richard Branson kite surfs and mm -hmm. and you know a lot of these kind of exceptional people have you know they push the boundaries in all aspects is mm -hmm. there one kind of sport or thing you're kind of wanting to give a go or is it to go to the moon or I would love the to wingsuits yeah. or something or yeah I think um I've got a number of goals like that, but I think probably one that I'm most excited about is probably to um, do what that guy from Red Bull did and jump from space, but maybe <laughs> a little bit higher to make, to make a world record. I'd love to do that one day. Um, I'd love to do probably one base jump in my life. I don't think I'll be a regular base jumper because the statistics are quite worrying. Like I think one in 27 people or something who base jump die base jumping. So I don't really want to do it regularly, but there's one base jump in Greece I really want to do, which is off a cliff down to where like a shipwreck is. You've probably seen the video, Incredible Beach. I really want to do that, but probably do some skydiving from space. I really want to take flyboarding to a new level. I don't know if you've seen flyboarding, but it's where you're, it's powered by a jet ski oh. and you've got, um, basically like a weight imagine a weight board on your feet but it's it's on and then underneath the thrust so basically you literally fly the water and you can fly up to about 10 feet 20 feet actually sorry it took meters nine meters that the, the pipe goes so you can go seriously high with these things and it's so much fun and commercially in New Zealand it's only in Queenstown at the moment um, which is freezing obviously in the lake but um, I'm really wanting to get more into that because it's so much fun oh well very cool man yeah I've seen I've seen a few of those floating around and uh yeah, so where they're taking adventure sport, even the hoverboards the guys are surfing on now, or the yeah, those hydrofoil things. It's it's amazing, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool, um, especially in New Zealand to have all this on the back door. For sure, yeah, um, very cool. And if uh, what do you have for breakfast? Because I saw you doing the Jesse Isney kind of. I'm kind of doing the same thing, like the fruit fruit before noon. What what's your kind of morning routine like? Yeah, I would love to sit here today and tell you I've got a perfect morning routine <laughs> and that I'm dedicated to following that. And, um, you know, we're, the date today um, is uh, 13th of January and at this time of the year I'm probably always better at following that sort of stuff than when you get into the mid middle of August and you're, you know, tired and overworked. So at the moment I'm trying to do that where I can, do, do fruit before noon sort of, um, but 
I, I'm not the kind of person that gets up super early every day and comes and goes for a run, has my fruit, has my water, comes into the office and gets to work because life's just not that linear for me. Like some days, like last night, for example, I was out um, I was out for dinner and that went quite late. And then I was like, okay, well, this morning I just came from an interview with Jeff Ross who started 42 Below Vodka and I had to write that. So I got up this morning at like six o'clock. I came in here, I wrote the interview, then went to the studio and did the interview. But, you know... If I had an interview late this afternoon, there's a good chance that if tomorrow the one's at 10, I'm going to be working late. I might get up at 9.30 and then come into the office a bit later. So my, my day is not very linear at all. In terms of breakfast this morning, to answer the question, I haven't had breakfast. Um, I was trying to stop at McDonald's to get a um, BLT on the way to the interview, but I didn't have time. And then coming back here, I, I, I decided to wait until lunch because it was getting a bit late. Still staying hungry. It's a good... Absolutely. Keeps you sharp. Yep. Um, but you know, one thing I will do in terms of health quite regularly is I do a lot of flying like last year I clocked up some serious air miles and when I'm flying or when I come back to New Zealand or get back to New York where I'm currently living I will go to a New Zealand Little Bird Organics and I'll buy um you know, six to eight of their pressed juices and I'll just smash them in one day um, and basically just do a massive cleanse because, you know, all the traveling, I'm always thinking I, I don't want to get jet lag. So I'm just, I just force all this really good stuff into my body and I might do that for three days and it's quite expensive, but man, you feel so good and you're like probably fighting some something you picked up on the plane pretty well as well. Yeah, that just having something that works for you, I kind of feel the same. It's like the green barley grass or wheat grass. Or when I'm feeling low, it's like, get that, get some exercise. Absolutely. It just kind of gets you back to baseline, eh? For sure, yeah. Um, and if you, if kind of someone didn't know who you were, how would you describe what you do or who you are or or who's Jake, Jake Miller? Yeah, so I'd probably say, who's Jake Miller? I'd probably say Jake Miller is a young entrepreneur who's currently 21 years old. He sold his first business, Umfa, to the government in 2015 and is currently expanding his second business, Unfiltered, into the United States, um, which is uh, which is going really well. Unfiltered was only founded uh, about 13 months ago um, and we've sort of grown that business to sort of seven or eight staff. You know, we've bootstrapped it so far. We're going to look to raise some capital um, early in 2017. However, um, you know, we've interviewed some amazing people around the world, people like Richard Branson and Stephen Jennings and Sam Altman and you know Eric Watson and Diane Foreman and Mike Perron. I've interviewed about 150 of my business heroes over the past um, you know year, and uh, I get a lot of energy from that. And uh, you know I'd kind of consider myself probably more entrepreneur as opposed to journalist, but at the same time I feel like. I've been interviewing people for so long now that that's so much a part of me that I don't think I'll ever be able to fully give that up. So whether I always have a podcast like what you're doing or a chat show or something in the US, I think I'll always need that. Like I just love asking people questions (laughs) and I get so much energy from that. And I can't imagine selling unfiltered and then getting into a business that's making bottled water or lights or whiteboards or whatever it is because... I just don't think I'd have that. There'd be a bit of satisfaction. It'd be like going vegetarian, but not wanting to be vegetarian. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yeah, there. I think Tim Ferriss used to have the question of what, what, what do you think you're exceptional at? And and is it is it the people? Is it getting excited about people and sharing that information? Is that what you yeah. think is your kind of point of difference? Or no, I'd probably say um, the two things that. I, I mean, what, what am I exceptional at? I don't, I don't, not that I'm a person to sort of blow my own trumpet too much, but two things I think that I do pretty well is number one is, um, 
I'm incredibly persistent and determined and um, and I don't really take no for an answer very well. So if I'm trying to interview somebody and I get told no, I'll generally go back to them five or six times. Before, quite often people won't even reply to my interview approaches. I'll email them about 16 times, like that's 16 follow-ups until I'll sort of maybe come back again in a couple of months rather than keep going. And that's every four days. I'll smash them with a follow-up every four days until they reply. So I've got emails in my box to like Peter Thiel, to Mark Zuckerberg, to whoever and I can see they're opening them because I have a software that tells me that and they're opening them and I'm getting 16 emails to them and you're still not getting a response but that's not enough to make me give up or just find a different way in um, if I'm told no like very rarely are you told no mm. that happens but quite often it will be hey sorry we're really busy at the moment and we're launching a new product uh, and we don't have time right now that's like okay no worries um, I'll go away for a little bit and I'll come back and a guy called Murray Tom gave me a bit of advice he said go back to people and say can you just remind me again why we're not doing business together and people find that quite hard to answer because generally there's no really good reason and it's very rare I think I've had one person come back to me once and just said no and that was it in an email I said that's pretty clear like that's you can't, can't get much more direct than no so in that case I probably won't go back for a while I might go back in a few months with a new sort of story but very 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 persistent very determined and I knock down doors more than most people I know is one and secondly is probably just um the people I interview are many of whom, if not most of whom, are very good friends of mine and they've become incredibly close friends who I'll hang out with regularly and we'll come to my parties and we'll have dinners and lunches and socialise together. And the reason this is is because I don't approach these um, interviews like a networking thing and that I'm not trying to strategically get something out of someone or give them my business card or trying to do business together. It's more like I'm fascinated in that person myself and then because of that, that comes across really genuine, I think, and then we, we become quite good friends quite often so it's very rare I'll interview someone who I won't actually keep in touch with and won't actually um, become a friend friend of um, and, and that's just through being genuine and actually just wanting to actually spend time with that person as opposed to trying to do something strategic or get in the door or get an introduction here or whatever it may be yeah that's just a natural curiosity and hunger that Absolutely. that you're following which is yep it, it's so wonderful and I kind of almost because um, you're so young and we're talking about just before with um for how your big thing was like you know, people aren't going to die wondering what they could have done or giving them these kind of career options. And but I think the toughest thing for me was how do you actually decide on something? In my podcast, I, th I thought it's all about people who are actually doing something, not thinking about it, even if it's good or bad, they're just yep. out there doing it. And so what I saw you quite clear on like what makes you happy or, you know, you had these lifestyle, health and business kind of goals. Like how did you, where did you get that clarity from? Or was that, to, how did you kind of ask those questions to get started yeah um, very good question I've always been incredibly goal driven and um, even when I was back at Christchurch Boys um, you know I look back now and I go why was the goal important but at the time for me the most single most important thing in my world and the single most important goal for me was to be head boy of my school which was Christchurch Boys and head boy of my boarding house which was Adams House boarding school which there's only one boarding house for the school and a student hadn't been head boy of both in 11 years and I'd only started in fourth form or year 10 so I had one year less than everyone else to do it and you know when you have a goal that is so clear and so powerful and you want it so bloody much that in a funny kind of way you feel like you can't fail? I had that clarity with that goal. And if you've read the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, you know what I'm talking about. And that goal for me was so clear and so powerful and I desired it so much and I had so much faith that I could achieve it that I worked ruthlessly hard towards that goal and I did achieve it. And after school, I guess I was talking to a friend of mine called 
Dr. Kerry Spackman the other day who wrote the Winner's Bible. And I said to Kerry, in my life now, I don't feel like I have a goal that strong and I want my goal to be as strong as it was when I was at school. Although it was a now seemingly irrelevant thing. I didn't care if I was head boy. I should have dropped out of school earlier and gone to business earlier. But at the time, that was really important to me. And I look back and I go, that goal was so strong. And I often ask myself, how do I get that clarity or that desire for a goal? Because I truly believe when you have the level of desire I had for that goal, you can't really fail. And that's a very powerful position to be in if you feel like you can't fail. Um, and at the moment, you know, I'm very goal-driven and determined, but I still feel like I could fail and this business could still go bankrupt or whatever and I could fail and start again. Obviously, it wouldn't be the end of the world. However, there's still that that lack of sort of... Um, not desire because I desire it much, but lack of you know total um, you know belief I guess mm -hmm. in that. Um, so to answer the question a little bit more regarding how did I get clear, I think in terms of business, um, I used to be obsessed with politics. I wanted to get into politics when I was young. I can't think of anything worse now, and I'll, I'll never get into politics. Um, I'm saying that on the record. Um, so I'm <laughs> sure if I do one day, this will be played back. But you know, I'm, I'm joking. I'll never want to get into politics. I can't imagine anything worse actually. To be frank, you know. But in terms of business I read Richard Branson's autobiography Losing My Virginity and I was like holy hell this is so much fun I really want to do this this guy's a legend um, I aspire to be like this guy so much and that made everything clear for me because before that I was like okay I'm going to study law I'm going to study commerce I'm going to hopefully do well at university I'm going to go and be a you know try and become a CEO of a big company and then get into politics or a lawyer. And that was exciting, but it's not as exciting as starting businesses and taking over the world, right? So yeah. I, I think when I read Richard Branson's book, everything became clear for me. And that was about three, three and a half years ago. Since that point in time, I've never, ever, ever once thought, I wish I was being an astronaut or I wish I was racing cars or I wish I was doing something else. I've always been, I want to be an entrepreneur and that's never gone. And I don't think it ever will. Oh, that's wonderful. And, and I mean, yeah, from interviewing Rich and all the people you've just managed to meet in the last couple of years, was there is there any kind of commonalities or was there any perceptions that have just kind of done a 360 on you or lessons you've just taken out from all these exceptional people, mm, mm. anything in particular that kind of shines? Yeah, probably one thing, and the reason it's on the top of my mind as I was discussing it with some friends over dinner last night, is that everyone has... You know, there's a lot of people in the world and a lot of people who have interviewed and a lot of successful people who have something about them that they may not have done too well in the past or they may have been caught up in a court case here to do with something or they may have made this mistake that ended in this court case or whatever it may be. I'm just using court cases as an example here. But people make mistakes and I think I've often found, um, you know, people get judged a lot based on failures that they've had and one thing that I would say is that some of the people who society would view in New Zealand and business in the most controversial light, if you were going to name five or six people who are viewed relatively controversially by a large group of people, I found to be some of the nicest people I've ever met. So some of the people I've been closest with are people who are a little bit controversial in many people's minds. So one thing I'd say is I, I don't take that too seriously. And if I'm reaching out to someone who has had some failure or some hardship in business or in life. Um, I don't take that too seriously at all and I'll judge people based on what I find them to be like. Um, so that's one thing. But in terms of commonalities between what people say, um, I, I often say that the common themes are things that we hear all the time. So the common themes are things like working hard and being persistent and knocking down doors and not giving up and dreaming big and all these things. And the reason I'm saying them is, and the reason they're common themes is because they are so important, right? And you hear them all the time and you're like, okay, 
they must be important. But what I get more joy and satisfaction out of is the specialized advice from people who are so specialized that there's not really anyone else in the world like them. And an example of that was my interview with Stephen Jennings, who's a New Zealander, he's a billionaire, he's building cities in Africa at the moment. he used to do a lot of business in Russia. He founded Renaissance Capital. He exited that, and now he's got um, uh, Rendezvous in Russia. Uh, sorry, in Africa, and he's building eight cities at once, each for eighty to two hundred thousand people. So oh. the scale of this project is ginormous. And to sit down with a guy like that and spend twenty minutes talking about urban development and emerging markets—that's incredibly specialized, incredibly interesting, and you know you can learn some big things off that. So I'd say the specialized, and I could go on of lots of other examples, whether you're delving into the telco industry or of Annette Presley or C.B. Woodhouse or delving into, you know, the culture of the All Blacks with Kevin Mialamu or delving in, delving into, um, in the Umpha days, you know, um, the specifics of being a world-class chef with Nadia Lim. Like, that's all very fascinating stuff. Yeah, I think, I, just, I, I, I love the point you said before, the polarisation, because I feel like if you're doing anything great, you can't please everyone. It's kind of... Yep. I think that's like such a great point. Is um, is there anything you believe, and on that kind of point, is there anything you believe that most people think is crazy? Um, like yeah, for me, yeah. It's kind of shoes. I kind of think shoes are a bit bizarre. Right. <laughs> like, oh, there we go. Shoes on today. Kind of just, yeah, but it's something <laughs> that kind of you yep. think is just a norm that is bizarre. Um, look, I think um. There's, there's a few things. I think, um, yeah, I think, and, and I've got to be a little bit careful here because, you know, I do a lot of work with some universities in New Zealand and I, I have a lot of respect for them. And the University of Auckland are one of our best partners and we do a lot of work with them. And I think they're doing some phenomenal stuff with their business program. Um, amazing people doing very good things. But I think when it comes to school and when you're in school and when you're told what you can do when you leave school, that's fucked. Like, it's honestly screwed. So, like, the, you know, if you look at what students are being told when they're in school and the way schools prep students for when they finish school, it's a massive problem. Like, at the moment, I'm uh, going through the process to potentially be selected for the Teal Fellowship in the United States, which is a thing by Peter Teal where someone who either didn't go to university or drops out of university gets paid $100,000 over two years to basically put their idea into practice or continue their idea if you've already started it. Um, and to me, that's great. And uh, we're about to start one in New Zealand. That's oh, one of wow. my goals this year. Um, it's not going to be as big as Peter Teal's, so it's not going to be $100,000, uh, but it'll be, we're going to raise 100000 to start with, and we're going to do one person for five years minimum at 20000 but we're going to wrap around a whole lot of resources like PR and brand and marketing and free legal services and free accounting and all this sort of stuff. So it, it, it will be an over a $100,000 package, but cash-wise, 20000 seed capital and a whole lot of resource. And... It's not about saying that universities suck because they so don't. Like, and you've heard this before, I presume, but if I go and, you know, drop something on my head and I need brain surgery, like, I'm not going to want someone to cut my head open who hasn't studied surgery for 13 years. Screw that. But if you want to start a business, like, you're in school and you're told and you're made to believe that the only thing you can do in order to have success is go to college. Because 
in, your, in schools, that's how they're judged off their success. I was on the board of trustees for two years. Every single like month we'd be comparing or towards the end of the year. It's like, how many students are going to university? Has that increased on last year? How many more level two students are going to university? They were the numbers. They never asked how many students have left school to go and start a business. They did not care about that. So when I look back at school, there was myself and one other that I know of in my year group of 250 year 13s at Christchurch Boys who went and started businesses. And you know, obviously people do have failure and I appreciate that, that it can be really hard, but both of us have gone and done pretty well. And his business now would be worth several million dollars. He's expanding into the UK and he's doing very well. And we're both the same age and we've both done it. And no one else did because it's not an option. And the only way that people will go and do it is if they are super confident in themselves or they read something like I did, which was Branson's book, and go, this is the answer to life, <laughs> as I thought it was, and I still believe it was, and this is what I'm going to do. Otherwise, you're not given any encouragement and it's not encouraged and the school won't provide resources. Of course, once I made that decision, I had teachers who supported me and gave me some good advice, but it's not something that schools will encourage students to do. And that applies to a lot of things. I'm not just talking about starting businesses. I'm talking about going to be an actor in Hollywood. I'm sure there's a lot of people that would say you don't need to go to university to do that. Or you want to be a celebrity chef. Okay, you're going to go and study cooking. Okay, maybe that's not the right thing to do. You know what I mean? There's so many professions or careers that you don't necessarily need to study. But schools will tell you that you do need to study or you're not going to make it. And that sucks. Yeah, the, and this is the podcast resources like what you've got have just been with the internet have just kind of been a liberation for that I think and it'd be interesting Absolutely. to see the change in where people go with like Peter Thiel and the exponential growth of technology and you know yeah. what happens in the future and, and yeah, the opportunity to just especially in a place like New Zealand is so abundant but um, Absolutely. I'm a little bit conscious of the time uh, it's 22 what do you think we can no? go for 20 okay, more minutes cool. yeah um, oh wonderful uh is there anything you do for pure joy that just makes you laugh? Because I know it, you can get, this is a piece that Tim Ferriss was talking about the other day. So you can get so focused and quite, take things quite seriously and, 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 and kind of, do you have anything that kind of just breaks the shackles for you? Is just like a release? Is it, is it the going to the movies by yourself or just skydiving or is there something that's just kind of pure joy? It doesn't, there's no reason or rhyme for it. Um, Eating. Eating? <laughs> I'm a massive stress eater. Um, not so much like go to McDonald's and get like a bad feed, but I, I'm embarrassed, but also proud for the reasons I'll tell you to say that I haven't cooked a meal in about 16 months. Um, so every lunch, dinner, and if I eat breakfast, which I don't most of the days of the week, I eat breakfast maybe once every week, um, lunch and dinner every day I'll, I'll go and buy. Um, and the reason I'm proud of that is because not of, not of like, obviously it costs a bit more, not because of, not because of I feel like I've made it because I can buy breakfast and uh, lunch and dinner, but the reason being that I think it's the right thing to do in terms of a busy entrepreneur who you know, doesn't have the time to actually be doing dishes and cooking food and, you know, something like my food bag's amazing and solving so many problems for families and I just think it's fantastic and the, all of the founders, uh, Kevin Roberts, he's a chairman, um, Nadia Lim, Carlos, her husband, um, you know, Cecilia Robinson and James Robinson are all very close friends of mine and I just think that doing some incredible things but I've often said to them, the day you guys bring out a product that arrives at my door and I put it in the microwave and I eat it, I'll sign up tomorrow. Um, and they're not going to do that, I don't think, because it's not, they're all about getting people in the kitchen and cooking. But mm. for me, I just don't have the time. And I think more entrepreneurs should actually follow what I do and go, look, it just actually doesn't make any economic sense to actually cook your own food because it takes so much time. Um, it's, it, it's, it takes your energy away from business and 
you know, when you're eating, if you just go out, and it doesn't have to be expensive, you can eat out cheap, right? But you go out and you sit down and you can just think about your business, think about your life, and it's relaxing. Mm. So, yeah, I'm a stress eater. Is there, and you must, you should almost have your own restaurant review page, is there any restaurant cafes that kind of stand out for you that are... Yeah, Auckland's best restaurant at the moment is a new one called Amano on Key Amano, Street. It's okay, very good. Ibisu yeah. um, is probably my main go-to. Um, there's a very good place in Ponce Parnell here called um, Blue Elephant Thai, which is a great Thai restaurant. Um, Chibo downstairs, um, that's dangerous having one of Auckland's <laughs> most expensive restaurants below your office is very dangerous, but I do end up there more than I'm, uh, I'm prepared to admit. Um, so quite a few restaurants, you know, Auckland's a, a great place for food, um, as is New York, so I feel lucky in that sense. Um, the biggest piece of luck, do you think, I know in your Branson interview you kind of mentioned luck as well, and is there anything you think, whether it's just being born in New Zealand or mm. having someone's number or, or being, you know, someone how have you got that Richard Branson book or is it been yeah, a break? yeah is there anything you kind of like well that kind of just happened for me almost yeah or I feel you know one of my good friends Julie Christie says um uh you know she doesn't believe in luck she believes in timing and good management and I, I believe that in most contexts I think luck can play a part sometimes like you could say it's timing that I walked into paper plus and saw Richard Branson's book but it's you know skewed it's more just luck right um so I think luck, yeah, I think that's a good point. Picking up that book was a very lucky moment for me. Um, if I didn't pick up that book, I doubt, I mean, I probably would have found it, but I doubt I probably would be doing the exact same thing because my first business, Oomphe, was started from inspiration from Richard Branson's first business, Student Magazine. So if I hadn't read that book and learned about Student Magazine, I wouldn't have done Oomphe and if I hadn't done Oomphe, I definitely wouldn't have done Unfiltered. So for sure, if I didn't pick that book up, I'd be doing some very different things today. Whether that'd be better or worse, I don't know, but I, I'm very happy where I am. Um, that was very lucky. I think also uh, meeting the Prime Minister when I was young was really lucky. So after my father died in the Fox Glacier plane crash, I wrote to John Key after he visited the crash site and just sort of said thank you so much for um, you know making that effort to go and you know visit the crash site and pay your respects. And he wrote back and said he want, wanted to have lunch. And he came to my house in Greymouth and had lunch. And uh, I was very, very inspired by his story and the fact that he had lost his father when he was seven or eight years old and went on to, to achieve some pretty cool things. And I think having some amazing mentors in my life, um, the John Key was sort of an early one, but later on, um, Mike Pero has been probably one of the most instrumental people in my success and in my life. Um, incredible guy, uh, a guy, Jeff Cranko in Christchurch, Lady Lee Harris. You know, today I spend a lot of time with, uh, you know, there's a lady, Deirdre Graham. So some very early supporters, Steve Brooks, I could go on and I hate naming people because you always you always miss people but they were some of my very early supporters and today you know people like Eric Eric Watson he's one of my very good friends and you know he's almost been like a second father to me and sort of introduced me into his family and I just feel so lucky to have some people like that in my life where I can literally go out and spend time with them and you feel like you're so included and and I am so thankful to all of those people um you know Eric and Mike I'd say and, and Jeff in particular those three have been huge in my in my life so far yeah, it's very cool. Um, and I was just in Mexico and looking at like their cel or their kind of celebration around death and the guys, the organic mechanic guys, their dad passed away from cancer when they were they're quite young too. And yep. um, and there's these things we often don't talk about like sex and death, the mo almost the most important things in life are yep. just kind of pushed yep. aside, especially at school. And I'm like, what's what's going on here? Like, what, you know, what, we're gonna have to come across these situations at some stage. Absolutely. And, and I mean, is yeah, I feel for you, but what, is there anything you've taken out of it or, 
you know, how's your life changed or how have you, yeah. your philosophies around it or do you push it to the side or do you use it as like a, yeah, I, mean, I, tough... I think for me, no, it's, for me, it's not really that tough. And I know that might sound heartless and, um, you know, it was tough, obviously there were hard times, but I think everyone deals with this sort of stuff in different ways. And if I look at my family as an example of that, my mum was, she's the kind of person that wants to talk about it with everyone. And you'll sit down at a restaurant and within the first 10 minutes of meeting someone new, she's, she's dropped it to that. She somehow worked into the conversation that her husband died because she wants to talk about it. And she likes talking about it where my brother is the total opposite of that. He never talks about it, won't talk about it, hates talking about it and puts it away. And he's probably dealing with it in his own way. For me, I was probably in the middle of that like I don't mind talking about it. I'm comfortable talking about it um, but at the same time I, I don't sort of talk about it all the time because I just sort of got on with my life as well so I think what I probably learned from that um, is you know obviously the, the obvious things is that life is pretty short and it can end at any time right so if you're in a plane and it crashes you kind of screwed so that can happen at any time to anyone and it does all the time so in his case um, I think he was doing something he loved tandem skydiving he'd been doing that for years um, and you know to die doing something you love is great and I don't think we should, as humans, not do stuff because it's dangerous or whatever because of the fact that um, we may die due to some small risk. So in that case, like, I'm still happy to go and do a base jump. I still skydive all the time. I still learn to fly. You know, all this stuff I'll still do, and it hasn't deterred me from sort of doing any of that stuff. I think um, as well the lessons around that was probably... Something happened. That was quite an instrumental moment in my life. When that happened, something sparked, and I don't know what it was, and I don't know why, and it wasn't about making like people might say oh you, you you would have made your dad so proud i'm like yeah well thanks but at the same time he's dead right so i'm not sort of trying to make him proud um you know whether you believe in spirituality or not i, I I'm, I'm probably agnostic on that like I, i'm prepared to be convinced either way but at the moment i don't have any strong opinions so it wasn't about making him proud or anything but something sparked that made me want to do well and don't get me wrong before that i was still ambitious and still determined but that mixed with john key's influence mixed with some lucky breaks like picking up the richard branson book kind of got me on this pathway um, um, but I was always incredibly motivated. But I would say before Dad died, I think, if I remember back, all I wanted to do was be an airline pilot. And it was somewhere around the plane crash that made me change that ambition. And then it was political, and then it was corporate, and then it was legal, and then it was entrepreneurial. And I don't quite know what happened on that pathway. It wasn't like I was scared of flying because I got back and started doing flying lessons a few weeks later. But something happened and something changed in me and I don't quite know what it was. But I think death and things like that can do that to you and can change you in some way. And I know Dad's death certainly did that to me, but I don't quite know why. Yeah, for me it's been a great catalyst too. And I know Steve Jobs talked about it in his commencement speech. Like it's, uh, it's almost a great motivator. And I think when you've got that attitude mm. and you've taken it, yeah, what you've done is... Um, is amazing. Um, is is there a definition of success for you, and and do you have one, or do you have someone who you think this person's, you know, is it your mum, or is it Richard Branson, or is it? Mm, I think I, I I think you can only define your success for yourself. So if you look at someone like Richard Branson. Um, you know, obviously he's, he's, he's done some incredible things and um, I've got nothing but respect for him and, and I think he is in many ways that the word success. So I'd say someone like him, of course. At the same time, however, you, I don't think you can look at someone like that and be like, that is what I'm exactly what I'm aspiring to be like because you have your own personality, your own um, way of doing things. And, you know, I know there's things, I know Richard relatively well after having interviewed and followed him for so long. We've only obviously met the once, but we still keep in touch and stuff. And there's certain ways that he goes about business I would probably do differently and it's not that one's right or it's wrong it's just that you have a different style and a different approach so I always try and 
just be me and do what I want to do. And, you know, I think it's important to um, stay true to yourself. So in terms of what does success look like, I often say for me, um, success or happiness, um, because surely happiness is probably the the thing everyone should be aspiring to, right? It's probably the ultimate thing over anything else. If you're super happy, you're set kind of thing. So I often say happiness for me is the, the combination of several things in my life being in balance or me being satisfied in those areas. And I'll probably miss one of them because there's about 11 of them, but the ones I'll remember are like family, friends, freedom, fun, fortune, meaning health and energy, fitness, um, finances, um, I might have mentioned freedom, influence, love, and then I guess religion potentially one day. Um, a sort of eight or nine things, there's about ten there I think for me, and most of them start with F, and I don't know why that is, but <laughs> they start with F, most of them. And uh, for me, I go, if, okay, freedom's probably a massive one for me, right? I've got to feel like I've got freedom. Like if someone tries to tie me down or do anything, like fuck that, I'm out of there. Fun, obviously, we've talked about skydiving and flyboarding and stuff. Fr- um, friends, obviously, having some really good friends. Family, having good family relationships. Finances, being able to do sort of what you want when you want within reason. Um, you know, fitness. You know, not doing too great at that right now, but staying fit, staying healthy. Um, and then influence, obviously, so you can make change and, and have an impact in the world. Um, and then obviously, love. You know, obviously, super important whether that relates to another human or the environment or whatever it is. And then obviously, religion as well. Surely, everyone wants to find the answer to. The to life through something like that so I haven't certainly done that yet but they're sort of things that I try and keep in balance that equal success or happiness for me mm. uh, that's, yeah that, that balance point is uh, and to have to even just be aware of those like what what, what fills you up and what, yep. you know what gets you in a great state I think yep. is yeah, but I, wonderful. yeah, as well, I quote Kevin Roberts, though, I don't believe in moderation or balance at all. Um, I think people try and live this balanced life, and I don't, I don't think that's possible when you've got a startup, and I think people who tell you it is are kidding themselves. And I think, I did a post recently at an event I hosted called Unfiltered Live, Innovate, Grow and Disrupt, and it was a massive day for us. And we were, the day before the event, in preparation for this thing, we had 300 people at the Crown Plaza, we had... 10 of New Zealand's top business people speaking. We had sold a lot of tickets for, for quite a bit of money, even though we, we made a loss on the event overall. And I did a post to LinkedIn and to Facebook the night the morning of the event because we've been working so bloody hard that day and so hard that week that we couldn't sleep the night before the event because we just had too much stuff to do. It just had to be done. So I was emceeing it. So I was on stage for eight hours the next day and I got two hours of sleep that night and I slept on the stage at the Crown Plaza just on the stage with using my jersey as my pillow and I was just crashed out and burnt out for like two hours before I got up couldn't even have a shower but scaled some green juice from Little Bird and got straight back on the stage for for eight hours I was exhausted and I posted this to LinkedIn and you have no idea the people coming on going oh my god this is such an unhealthy image you should not be promoting this people should not be burning out like that I'd never encourage that to people blah 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 it's like are you fucking kidding me like people don't realize that like business is not linear and that sort of shit happens and if you're not okay with that you should go and do something else like it doesn't really work like that you're not going to be going to bed every night at 9 p.m and getting up every morning at 6 every day of the week and if you are that's fantastic and and i'm not saying that's not a good thing all i'm saying is that business is not linear at all it's totally unlinear it's up it's down some days you'll burn out some days you'll hate your life other days you'll love it but you do it because you have that diversity and if people aren't okay with that then i don't think business is right for them yeah i love that and 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 that green juice is just that little bit of balance to balance you know? <laughs> exactly <laughs> so you find just something that just kind of gets you yeah. back chuck um, some health in there somewhere yeah i mean i was talking uh 
to you before about like the cold water it kind of does that for me and uh, Tony Robbins and Wim Hof and a few of these guys do it it's like just having those little things that work for you so you yep. can yeah, get back on track but um, 100% that's awesome and, and I love your uh, style as well and presentation is there any kind of position or one thing like your house is burning down you're like you'd, you'd, you'd grab that is there anything great question um, what would I grab if my house is burning down I think um you know, I'm going to be really boring here and I'm going to say my phone. Like, it's got everything. And although it's all backed up in the cloud and all that sort of stuff, like, whenever I don't have my phone on me, I feel insecure and naked and I feel like it just has everything I, 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 I need or I need access to in a short space of time. From my phone, what's what else did I say? You know, I've got um, a lot of journals that are quite important to me where I've written down a lot of stuff over the years that, that, um, that I really value and I, I want to keep those. Um, and then, uh, you know, I have um, some obviously sort of more um, materialist sort of fashion items like some nice uh, bags that, that I've treated myself to from Louis Vuitton or whatever that I would probably grab as well. <laughs> I like the authenticity with the answer there it's like you knew it yeah yeah <laughs> um little left field if you, do you think you got like a spirit animal or do you think there's a is there it's just kind of a bit of a left field question but do you think you kind of is there an animal you res resonate with at all uh it have to be a lion yeah, i'm a leo yeah. i'm a leo born on august the 8th um i love lions always have um and i think lions are are both uh, caring and and also um and, and can really go for it if they need to Cool, I like that. Um, maybe we can wrap it up with one last question, which is one, uh, if you were Prime Minister for the day, and I might video this too if, you, if, if that's okay, just to put Absolutely. it on the feed. Absolutely. <laughs> Got you on the spot. Um, and it's okay if nothing comes to mind, but it's a bit of the Tim Ferriss billboard question, or if you're Prime Minister for the day, you had one billboard, and you just had one message, or one thing you're going to change, do what would that be? Is there anything that you'd like to see in the world that currently doesn't exist that you want to kind of make a reality? Um, I'd probably come back to what I said earlier in the podcast, which is around uh, telling kids when they're young that they can actually do everything, anything and everything and that they don't have to... Can I restart that? You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Just because I said everything, which is wrong. Of course you can't do <laughs> I think I'd probably come back to what I said earlier in the interview, which is that... I would tell all kids in the world that they can do anything that they want and that they shouldn't listen to this narrow-minded schools that tell them that they have to go and study X, Y or Z and that the university prospectus booklet's the only logical place to look for your career pathway. I think that's screwed up. Um, I don't think that's the way the world works and I think if you just look at the most successful people in the world, of course many of whom have gone to university, but I think you'll also find that even dating back to the, the, the very early days of the Andrew Carnegie's of the world doing some incredible things that these people um, got there because they were super super determined, they had a lot of desire, they had a lot of faith, and they believed in what they did. And they didn't get there because they studied for three years. And I think schools and education is screwed. Um, and if I could change anything, I'd change that education system massively. Um, and I would actually encourage kids to actually get out and start doing what they want to do, not what the school wants them to do. Beautiful. Oh, thanks for your time, Jake. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And, uh, inspiration, I think it's, it's yeah, I feel uh, some camaraderie there kindred spirits in terms of the change uh, I yeah. want to make as well and so it's great to see what you're doing and uh, it's a pleasure and all the best and, yeah. and, and thanks for your time today. and you too uh, well done on the podcast and all the very best of it and uh, <laughs> look forward to catching up tip tap well I hope you enjoyed that and 
I certainly did. I was just thinking of a piece when I'm at Tony Robbins training, how he said when uh, you're at your best, usually talking, you're breathing deep, you're talking loud and full and fast. And and uh, Jake certainly does that. He's uh, he's a game changer, and um, his enthusiasm is pretty contagious, like athlete's foot, but much better for you. And um, it kind of made me want to do skydiving as well as many other things and uh, really kind of push the limits on on life and what's possible and uh, focus on the big picture stuff even just that little piece about just eating out a lot so he's just focused on his business all the time i think that was such a, a quite an impressive thing to be, have um he kind of knows what he wants and what what works for him at such a young age and getting clarity on that i think that's it's uh, an enviable skill, enviable, enviable skill, and um, doesn't dwell on the past, looks to the future, and he's certainly got some great plans. And that Teal Fellowship piece that he's looking to do here is, uh, I think that's great as well, and just to give kids another option. So follow him. Umfa was his previous business, Unfiltered's the new one, and uh, the interviews are fantastic. I've already checked a few of them out. Um, and I'll put his Instagram and other links in the show notes for you. And we'll have Arthur Arbes play us out once more. And uh, again, sing along. It's good. It's good fun. Just try it out. Oh, but Doug, I don't want to sing. I'm no good. Just do it, man. Woman, do it. Dog, everyone should sing and dance. It's good for the soul. Hopefully it's helped uh, kickstart you into the new year. Much love, any reviews, comments, always appreciated. Thank you very much for listening in. Think less, experience more. And as always, hope you dug it. <laughs>